This is episode 17 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is professional golfer and social media influencer, Tisha Abrea. Let's get it started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people from all across the globe, from all walks of life, in hopes that it will motivate and inspire you all to start out on your own journey or seek that fulfillment um, you know, that you want in your life. So whether that's starting your own business or just trying out a new hobby or maybe getting the best shape of your life, um, getting fit and healthy, whatever it may be, the goal really is to take a lot of different insight and knowledge from each and every one of these guests and apply it back to your own particular journey. Whether you haven't started yet or you're further along in the path, it doesn't matter. The fact is that you're trying to evolve and get better and better each and every day. And hopefully each and every one of these uh, guests will be able to give you some insight into that. With that being said, let's transition into my interview today with Tisha Abrea. Tisha can be found online at Tisha All In. That's T-I-S-H-A-A-L-Y-N. Um, she's a professional golfer. She's a social media influencer. Um, she runs a program called Women With Drive. So she's out there in the golf space uh, doing a lot of different stuff, a lot of events and fundraisers and growing the game across the board, but a lot with the, um, with the female golfer and, and trying to get them more exposed to the game and get them involved a lot more. So some really neat stuff that she's involved in. And just a great personality, always happy. Um, she's always dancing on the golf course, so we talked about that a little bit during the interview as well. Um, we probably could have talked for two to three hours. Um, she has that type of personality, and uh, we got into a lot of different stuff. But um, I think you guys will really enjoy this wide-ranging conversation on a variety of topics that we get into. So without further ado, let's jump into my interview today with Tisha Abrea. Let's get it started. Tish, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, it's a pleasure to get a chance to uh, chat with you. I've been following you online for a little bit, and I was like, you're doing some really neat stuff. I thought this would be uh, great for the audience to kind of hear your story and some of the things you went through and um, can really help some other folks as well, potentially. So why don't we do this as, as kind of a stepping stone to variety of different – I have 50 different notes written down on my sheet over here, but um, okay. <laughs> why, don't, why don't to help out everyone that's kind of listening in or maybe mm. isn't familiar too much with you – I'm going to ask you, you know, your 15 to 30 second commercial, just kind of who you are, what you're doing right now, and that'll lead us into a variety of different things. Right, right. Okay. So in 30 seconds, um, so um, yes, my name is Tisha Abrea, and I am essentially a golf influencer. I've also played professionally, so I'm a pro golfer and a golf influencer, which is kind of like a new thing. And pretty much my job is just to grow the game through social media and show people how cool it is. Um, and just like that. And I also run a company known as Women Will Drive, which we, which is where we encourage women to get into the game of golf. And, and that's basically it. Like anything in the golf space, that is what I'm all about. That's awesome. And I, and I definitely, I want to pry into a couple of those things here in a moment. What I always like to do though, is because I think it's really important, especially with this podcast, you know, to motivate, inspire the people to, to kind of get started with their own passions and do some different things, where you started from kind of your upbringing and those type of things. So Take us back a little bit um, to kind of where, you, one, where you started the game of golf, and which is cool, but where you, kind of where you grew up, and, and then we'll go into a little deeper there. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I was born in Illinois. I was born in Rockford, Illinois, and I was I lived there for about 13 years. So I picked up golf over there. I started when I was three, started competing when I was seven, and I became the uh, top junior golfer of my age division from ages nine to 12 when I was in Illinois. So I represented Illinois. And then I moved to California, not only because of I have family here, but also because it's the all year round good weather. The competition is a lot greater where there's, you know, 12 month season of golf. And so I moved for the golf and for the family and I continued on there. And I have a Filipino background and I stick I stick pretty tough to my, my cultural roots. And even though I was born in the States, so both my parents are from the Philippines and came here and I was born here. Um, I have two younger siblings. And um, yeah, I've just been golfing ever since. I went from uh, the junior golf level in California to the high school level or going to state and representing my high school. Then to collegiate, I played at Cal State Fullerton, um, played number one my four years or majority of my years, and then turned professional in 2015, well, technically 2016 is when I turned professional. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty what, much it. Well, if we could take a way deep, deep step back into the past, when you started, yes. and, and if I if I read correctly, tell me if I'm wrong in this, you started when you were about three, is that right? Yes, Roughly that's correct. In the game, I was three. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Do you remember why your parents got you in the game? Like, were, were they avid golfers or family members no. avid golfers? Like, why did they start you into the game? No. Well, firstly, um, my dad always wanted a boy, and then I came. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's the first step. So he really wanted a boy because he really wanted an athlete. He he's really big and into sporting sporting events and sports in general. And so I guess um, he told my mom that you know I really want. Our, our child to get into a sport of some sort and my dad was a really big avid tennis player and so his his promise to my mom was like I want to get um, our daughter into tennis as soon as as soon as she's able to you know walk or you know as soon as she's able to comprehend what's going on or whatever and just by luck um, the person who introduced my dad into tennis which is my grand uncle uh, felt he just caught the golf bug and introduced my dad into golf and then my dad just caught it just like that and when you get the golf bug you just get it and so around three my dad would just constantly go to the driving range instead of the tennis courts all the time and just you know hit a bunch of golf balls and he'd bring me and he just cut some golf clubs in half taped up the the end of the of the um, shaft to make a a choppy grip and he would just bring me along and um Ever since I could remember anything, I've been golfing. And he would just take me to the range, and it was essentially the way we bonded. And so we actually picked up golf at the same time. It's not like he was a crazy good golfer or anything. He would just watch golf and then on TV uh, look at my swing and say, okay, I think you should do this, this, and this. Like we both didn't have any type of training. And then eventually I just picked it up, and I had I walked into my first event at seven years old. And then just have I've kept on going. And then eventually I got a coach at like around 11, 12 years old. And kept on competing. Do you remember that first event? Yes, very clearly. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell yeah, us what, what happened? How did, how did that go? It was the most nerve wracking thing of my life. Like I thought, you know, this is going to be a fun thing, whatever. And safe to say that I, I walked home with a trophy. I came fourth out of four girls. They gave a trophy to everybody. <laughs> Super embarrassing. And so my first event, it, it was a nine hole event. And I walked in and I thought this is going to be chill, whatever. And there was actually no age division for um, for girls as young as seven. 
And so I played, I think, in like, it was like a 9 to 11, ages 9 to 11 division. And I was already really tiny to begin with. So I'm, I'm paired up with these girls who have been doing this for longer than me and were clearly bigger than me, can definitely hit it farther than me, and they know what they're doing. And for them, it didn't really seem like it was for fun. It was like they are going to, like, they're cutthroat. And so on my first hole, I actually got like, I think it was like an 11 or 13 on my first hole. And I'm not sure how familiar you are with golf, but that is a very bad score <laughs> for, for one hole. On a par four, I got like an 11 or 13. And I walked to the sidelines. I walked up to my, my mom and dad while they were watching me play. They were spectators. And I was crying. I said, pull me out. I don't want to play this. I don't want to do this. This isn't fun. I felt like I was nowhere near as good as these girls. And I felt like the girls didn't like me because I was such a newbie. And my family laughed and they said, no, go out there. Just, you know, keep on going, keep on playing. And so I continued to play. I, I finished the tournament. I still walked away with the trophy. And funny, at the end of the event, the girl who won the event, she was obviously older. She was 10 and I was, I was seven, I think. And um, she came to me and said, hey, listen, like, you know, you did, you did a good job. Just, just keep on going. Like, this is your first event. I'm, it it must have been really nerve wracking for you. But like, you have a great swing. You have a good game. Just keep on practicing. And that always stuck with me. And uh, the, so then the next three years to come after that, that event, um, I won that tournament three years in a row. And I still have like every single trophy that I've ever won and played in any event I played and I have them all. So I have all the memories with me. And so that was, that was my first tournament. I'll never forget it. I shot the highest score on the first hole. So yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good, I've, I've been there. I actually, um, in a past life, not many probably know this was on podcast, but I actually used to be a PJ professional. So I actually used to teach golf for a oh. living for many years. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, and that was one of the things appealing to get you on to, to chat about golf because I haven't had anyone on about that. So just that, yeah. so I have had, I have had big <laughs> numbers uh, myself, too many um, that I don't yeah. want to remember. But, uh, you know, and, and that's one of the things, actually, that's a good transition, though, from, you know, when you were obviously growing up and in, in being a, an accomplished player in high school. Um, and, and then ultimately getting a scholarship. Can you, is there any advice you could share? Because, you know, one of the things I deal with now with a young, you know, I have a, a six-year-old or he'll be six very soon, is a lot of parents that, you know, they push their kids into a lot of stuff or they think their kid's going to be, you know, the next tiger kind of thing. Right. What, what advice would you give to, whether they're parents that have younger kids that are growing or some that are now in high school looking at scholarships that, to, to think about or to consider in that realm, maybe two different things, younger kids, but also those looking at scholarships. So advice to parents or kids who are looking to get into scholarships in terms of golf. Is that what you're asking? Yes, exactly. <clears throat> or I guess it could be, I mean, it could be a wide ranging, I guess, of other scholarships, but yeah, golf specific. I know there's a lot of, um, you know, especially a lot of women that could play. Um, there's a lot of golf yes. scholarships that go unused each year. What, maybe some advice to help them out along the way that they might have no clue. Right, right. Okay, so well, firstly, I don't think not many people know this outside of the golf world is that women's golf specifically grants actually the most scholarship or it's it's actually the e most, it's the, e how, how do I say this? It's the most obtainable scholarship among all sports. Men and women combined, women's golf is supposed to be the most feasible to get. You can average around, I mean, I'm sure it'll get lower as the years go on, but you can average around um, shooting an 80 for 18 holes and, and better, and that can get you to a university or to a D3 school 
and or between a D1, D3, or uh, whatever division that you want to go to. And so, um, I mean, not that golf is easy at all, but women's golf is the most feasible in terms of scholarships. So um, if anyone has a young daughter, it I would highly recommend getting them into the sport. And so in terms of just scholarships in general, I think my advice is for parents to get your, you know, get your kids competing, especially in the during the middle school years and your high school years because recruiting starts around like it's they they start really young and i'm sure this is how it is in all sports but colleges will start looking at you like when when kids are maybe around between 13 and 16 years old so like they'll have an eye they keep an eye out for like almost up to four years in advance they have to always keep on their toes with who are the upcoming competitors and then when when kids hit around their sophomore year freshman sophomore junior year of high school that's when colleges can start really scouting you and watching you and so there are a few associations golf associations where universities are are prominent in actually looking at your scores and coming out to scout and so for those who are looking to bring their kids into competition there's golf associations such as um, obviously usga which ha which holds like the really big big tournaments um, AJGA, which holds national junior golf events where um, they, they heavily coordinate with universities for universities to come out and watch players. And then there's stuff that are local to every state, like in within California, which is where I'm from, there's like the Southern California PGA. And there's just, there's, there's a lot of different um, junior golf associations where, where they'll help you, uh, help, they'll help you work with with universities to get started. And so my advice is to start competing between um, middle school and high school. Um, also start start figuring out like what, I know it's really early on, but if, if you happen to know what your major would like to be in college down the line or what your interest is in, that will heavily um, be, that will heavily influence your decision on what school you'd want to go to. And when it comes to choosing to, like, it's really important that you click with your college coach and the area that you choose, because you're going to be with them for the next four years. So, yeah, awesome. that's that's pretty that, much. That's great. Yeah. That's great advice on that. No, I think that'd be helpful for a lot of folks that are uh, unsure. Um, well, so speaking of college, then, and and going through the ranks there of when did you realize you were good enough to to compete at the professional level? At least try that kind of realm well i mean professional golf was always my dream when i was a young kid and so it was almost like regardless of how i played in college it was always my intention to turn professional even if i wasn't good enough or not ready yet but it wasn't until i think in college i i won my i had a few good seasons in college and and in my, my, I think it was my fall season of my senior year, I won my first college event. And I also finished like, I had, we only played like five events in, in, a, in a season. And I think I came, I won one and then I came like top five in, in another two events. And so when I went through that good home stretch, that's when I really felt like, you know, I can, I can go out there and I can do this. Like I'm already playing, I'm, I'm playing at a D1 school. I'm playing against the top D1 athletes around. I can I can compete against these girls and so when I graduated I kind of I felt I, I fed off that and I told myself like I'm 
I think when without school, if I just train full time, I can really I can really push myself to the next level. And so pro golf was always going to be in my cards. Like I was not going to live my life without trying. So yeah. What what did you think those for? Because because you had a couple wins that I saw in the mini tours, right? In the yes, yes, on, I had that right? Yes. What are some of the things maybe maybe a positive experience of that, or some things you learned there, and also maybe a you know the hurdle or struggle you had to overcome that you were like I didn't even consider this was going to be a big thing getting out to professional golf. What are a couple things on either yeah. side of that that you could share? Right, right. Well, I mean, I think the biggest wake up call, firstly, was that in college golf you have every, you're literally you're taken care of. You're you're essentially babied. You have you have you know discounts to equipment. You have your clothing set up for you. You have your training facility set up for you. You have you have workouts and golf courses at at your you know whenever you want to access it. And that's easy. And <clears throat> turning pro, you're on your own. And I I know it's going professional in in different sports. It's it's different. But in golf, you essentially you fund yourself. And so anyone can turn professional if they feel that they are are ready for it. As long as you can fund yourself, you cover your own entry fees. You cover your own travel. You find your own gear. You find your own clubs. You find everything on your own. And that is like the first wake up call that you have to get through when you say, I'm going to turn professional outside of college. And and it's tough. And every and it's and it's it's kind of funny to see when you see these these girls come out of come out of college and they, they start playing in the professional circuit, like the mini tours and stuff. You'll see them. They're still rocking their college gear. They still have their college bag. They're like little puppies, like they're lost little puppies. Like how, how do we, how do we go from here? And, and it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I just kind of worked my way into the system of networking and using social media as a means of finding everything that I need. But that was the biggest thing and getting your own sponsors, whether it's, whether it's a corporate sponsor, like an actual big name sponsor, or it's just like um, a family sponsor or an individual sponsor, like that's another big thing. That's a wake up call that was very, very difficult. So that's, and, and it, what's sad too, is that a lot of professional golf careers end because they just aren't unable to fund it. And there's so much good talent out there. And if every golfer had the best facility and the best equipment that's really fit for them and everything that they need, like golf would be like the levels of golf. There would be so much better players all, all together if everyone had the same, um, you know, equipment and, um, you know, advantages as, as the people who, ha who have more funding. And so that, that was, that was really the biggest wake up call. And then I, yeah. I forgot the second part of your, question i think well, just what's been with... what's been cool what's yeah what's a positive experience you had or something cool with with that i mean obviously winning is always nice but you know i'm, I'm yes. just curious <laughs> of, of... yeah i mean obviously winning is cool and i mean i think i mean just like anything else the coolest thing is when you see that your hard work pays off and i um so my first year out on tour in the mini tour circuit so i graduated in 2015 and I had been working at a golf course. It's called Alta Vista Country Club, and they're amazing. It's still my favorite course to this day, and they treat me like they treat me like family over there. And so when I graduated, I continued working at this course, and I was I was an outside service girl. So I would clean the carts, um, you know, clean the shed, uh, pick up the balls. Um, entertain all the members, making sure that when they arrive, I get all their golf bags, I strap it onto the cart, I give them water, I, you know, I, I do everything. And, and that was my job. And so 
my first year, I had to li literally grind so hard. I would wake up, do my do my four to eight hour shift, and then continue on to practice from from my shift till till dawn or till nighttime. Or I'd practice at six a.m. in the morning until my shift starts, and then work from three to closing. Like it, and I did that for a good year, um, while like going through graduation and on to my professional career, and and so with that grind, just being outdoors and pushing so hard for for this crazy game, and then getting that first win, knowing that I had literally done everything I could possibly do to get myself to that position. And my first win wasn't like a a, a a basic win. Like I won by nine shots. I think I shot 11 under for the event. I just like ran away with it. And it was the best feeling on earth. Like it was, it was like, wow. Like I, I like, there was nothing more I could have done better. Like everything happened the way I wanted to. And then coming back to my home course at Alta Vista after a win, all the members were like there to celebrate for me. It was, it was like the best feeling. So that, that's like the coolest feeling, just knowing that you worked really hard and um, you know, the, the outcome turned out the way you want it to. So, well, yeah, when you can walk down 18 and you have like a massive lead, that's always nice to, uh, to get in the clubhouse. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what, how have you handled, um, and this is probably good. This is a really good life advice for anyone, but I'm just curious, like, is there certain techniques you use or things you do to handle stress on the course or when you get nervous or in a tough situation, <laughs> is there certain things you go through or, or you don't yeah. think about it? You just kind of, well, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of it I don't think about maybe because I've been competing for so long and I'm just so used to this lifestyle. But I think one of the biggest things like in terms of handling nerves and stress in whatever situation is um, I was always taught to do breathing exercises. And I know a lot of athletes know this already, but for those who don't know, um, if you breathe from your diaphragm, it will help lower your heart rate. And so if you breathe in with your tummy expanding and breathe out with your tummy compressing that will automatically help you calm down and so before the first tee jitters which is probably like the most nervous i've ever been every time doesn't matter what the event is first tee jitters are always there and it tells you that you care and so before before the first tee i would always do breathing exercises like 10 deep breaths from the diaphragm and and it just helps you so much and just from being around golf for so long you just learn to focus on the task at hand like golf is a long is a long day it's a four and a half five hour round and it's a grind and so you you just learn to focus all your energy into the 40 seconds to the minute that you have per shot and then in between you can you can let go and and think of whatever you want but you focus your energy on your shot and the task at hand and put everything you have into it and when you do that you don't you, it almost takes away the nerves and the outside um, you know, distractions and stuff like that. That's very sage advice. Thank you for that. I think that's, I'm yeah. going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to practice that. I got to, I got to try that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a random transition here, um, because mm -hmm. I want to get into this, spend some time is from, is being an influencer online. And, and I'm curious, I'm going to start off with the question is the dancing. Where did that start? <laughs> yeah. The, where, when did that, yeah. where, tell me about the, the, uh, the genesis of that. Yeah, so I mean, this is this is a common question. It's great, and I love telling it. I I just love dancing. That's just always been a passion of mine. Obviously, golf is a passion too, 
but golf is also my job. But if I wasn't a golfer, I would have 100% wanted to be like a backup dancer with someone amazing. Like, I have just loved the day. I discovered that I had, firstly, I discovered that I had rhythm, I think, in the seventh grade. And I don't know how this happened, but like, I was so weird. I actually haven't told this story ever. Um, I was at a family party. It was like a family reunion. And we were just messing around and Filipinos love to party hard and we always sing and we dance and whatever. And I was thrown in into like this, this like dance off with like my cousin or something. And they threw on music and, and I just kind of like went off and I like just kind of, I don't know, I just kind of naturally had dance moves and stuff. And everyone was telling me like, what the heck? Like, you're actually pretty good. And I was like, I just like, you know, would see it on TV and I just try and do what I, what I see. And so that was that was when I first actually like busted out dancing ever. Like no one knew I could possibly be capable of dancing until that family engagement. And then since then I just got really really into it. Like I would love watching videos and I would just want to learn and I was born in Chicago and so hip hop and and that kind of music and that style was was embedded into me and I just like would love to dance like that's a big that's a big thing in Chicago to dance like the Harlem Shake come, came from there and and all these dance crazes and so um I just picked up I picked it up from there and then um in high school I, I actually went to a dance academy and trained and I fell I fell deeply in love with it and it came to a point where I almost wanted to stop golfing because I loved it so much and so my parents told me like you need to decide what you want to do because you can't do both. And, and so I said, you know, I got to choose the golf because that's going to get me a scholarship. Dancing is not, I haven't been doing, I haven't been dancing my whole life. And I only knew, I only know at the time, I only knew one genre, which was essentially hip hop dancing. I now have touched it into like ballroom a lot and like um, Latin dancing. And I'm I'm just really, really fascinated by dancing. Um, I think it's like a really, it's just like such a unique thing to me. Um, And so I put down the dancing and that really, really gutted me. And I was really sad about it um, to stop taking classes and to stop, you know, learning choreography and everything. And so when I got to school, um, when I got to Cal State Fullerton, I just started dancing any, any time I could. Like my team knows that I just love to dance. And so if we, we would go out, we'd dance, we'd be at practice, we'd mess around and dance. And then we actually had a college talent show which we won, <laughs> I think for, we won twice because I just, I would choreograph for our team and it was, we would just have like the sickest routine. Like it was like, I, whenever we had the talent show, it was like my favorite time of year because it was a time where I got to do, I got to dance and I, and I got to dance with my team. And so that's how it started. And then when social media started growing and everything, it just kind of like fell on my lap in terms of dancing being like my niche. Um, I, uh, I I grew with the times in terms of the social media push, and I had I did this one video way back like 2016 I think, and it was like this dance craze that was going around, and it's called the Juju on the Beat. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's 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 some dance craze that kids do. It's out of it's it's not in anymore, but it was in 2016, and my little sis said you should do this, you should try and do this, and I said all right whatever, and so I did it. While I was on the driving range, it was like a super spontaneous video. Like it wasn't really planned or anything. She just played the song and said, do it. And so I did it. And you could go on my Instagram and actually see it way back down. 
and I posted it, didn't think anything of it, and it like blew up, like over a hundred thousand views, it was getting shared everywhere, like this and that, and I was like, what? Like, that was so lame, like I wasn't even trying, like, you know, it was just like a fun thing, and so from there, it, that's when it kind of developed that like, oh, Tish is the dancing golfer, she's always dancing on the course, and I had always been dancing on the golf course, I just never documented it until that point. And so from then on, I would actually really incorporate it into my content creation and people would look forward to it. And so, and, and it's awesome because it's, it's actually what I really love to do. It's not something that I ever have to force. And yeah, that's how dancing came about. And from a social media influence, obviously the dancing maybe was the, the stepping stone or thinking, hey, this could be something neat to, to start getting a presence <laughs> out there and, and getting some visibility. When did that become like, hey, this is something I want to, kind of go forward with more and, and put more time into with the the social influencer so, part or the or social dancing yeah, exactly. incorporated okay well yeah the, well dancing of course but yeah the social influencer part as a whole yeah so so as a whole so that my i started growing my instagram pretty much as soon as i turned professional and so that was end of 2015 beginning 2016 and it was funny because my first professional event was in November of 2015, but my official professional season began in 2016. And so in my first tournament, I was actually paired up with this really, really popular social influencer. Her name is, is Paige Sporanic, and her screen name is at Paige Renee. You may be familiar with her. Um, but for those who don't know, she's actually like the leading golf influencer. It, it, like literally the leading golf influencer that that's that's the ending thought and I was paired with her and this was a time when she was just getting discovered and she just boomed from like zero to like 15,000 followers in a heartbeat like it was a it was like unseen before like golf inf being a golf influencer wasn't a thing until she came about she essentially opened that door and I was paired with her in my first tournament and um I knew her from junior golf. I knew her from collegiate golf, but I never played with her. And she was the one who actually kind of put it in my head saying like, why don't you try and like grow your following? And I said, well, what the heck am I supposed to do? Like wear makeup when I play, like look cute. Like I, like I never really cared how I look so much when I played. And, and she was like, well, I mean like you're, you know, you're, you're pretty and, and you're Filipino and you're different and you do cool stuff. Like just, just put it out there, you know, it'll help you. You never know who will see you and you never know what kind of sponsors or whatever stuff you can get or gear you can get. And so she told me that. And so I, I started, I just started trying. I just started putting myself out there more on social media. I would get shared on, on these other pages and I started, you know, winning. And, and when I started playing well, I would, I would get more coverage and I had like a write up on golf digest and, and I've been golf channel and stuff like that. And, and it just, it's just started evolving. And then um, early 2016, that's when it, it really started to pick up. And I became a part of a movement known as Women Would Drive. And we were essentially, there was eight girls. And we were essentially the group of girls that grew all together. Like, that's when, so being a golf influencer just started to, to arise um, as a unit, not just like Paige being the only one. And so I just... I honestly feel like I'm very lucky to have been a part of a time where it was just good timing, literally good timing. I graduated, turned pro, and got involved in the social media space right when it was growing. And not to say that people are too late now, like there are golfers who could still get into it, but it, people people may think that you can just wake up with this following or like, oh, what the heck, you're, you just get free stuff or you get all this stuff because you have this many followers, but it's like, 
no, it's 2018 now. I've been doing this since 2000, end of 2015. It didn't just happen like that overnight. And so that's So it's just consistency, it. really. It was consistency, consistency with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and I needed I needed to find a means to find sponsors and to get people to notice me. And what better way than social media where you can broadcast to literally such a big audience instead of just you know playing at different courses and playing with different members? I could just show also what I got through social media, and that was essentially how I got my gear and like all this help. If it wasn't for it, I wouldn't be able to play. Mm. Is there any, um, from a tactical standpoint, anything that you could share, something that's maybe a tip that's helped out that could help some others grow their following or, or maybe get noticed a little bit more? Anything you can think yeah. of? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's really important. Like if you're, it, dep it depends obviously in, in your, and what you do. But if, if we're talking specifically, let's say a golfer who wants to, or maybe a female golfer who wants to start becoming an influencer as well or start growing their following. Firstly, start documenting your life. Like everyone's life has something unique about it. You just got to put it out there. No one's going to know what you're doing if you don't put it out there. And yes, it gets annoying to always have your phone on you and stuff, but you just kind of get used to it. And and you have to find your niche. You have to firstly think like, what do you believe makes you different than what's already out there? And then push it. Like if you are a, I don't know, like a fantastic singer, but you're also a golfer, incorporate that, do that, show people that you have that, be that, make that new niche for yourself. If you are a fantastic at, I don't know, gymnastics as well, and can do crazy flips and stuff, like incorporate that, just find your niche or, or, and, and show your life. Be sure to post often. I do my very best to post at least five times a week and always to follow up on stories. You have to be very engaging to your audience. You have to be personable as well. And like the reason why people follow you is because they they relate to you and so so long as you can relate to your people you'll always keep on growing not fast but you'll steadily grow it's a it's a process and and mm. so that would be my recommendation yeah just find your niche and keep on keep on keep steady with posting and one of the things i kind of last thing to chat about here is a big topic is the uh, the women with drive and the initiatives behind that you know it's actually something yeah. that for, for me, um, as I mentioned, you know, I used to be a, a, a PJ professional, I used to teach golf. I actually started a a group called Bling, Business Ladies in Golf, back in, gosh, it's probably 2009 now. And the goal really was to, you know, because I saw a gap where a lot of women were fearful to come out to the course. They saw it was a male-dominated game, and, and it was a chance to get them out there just to hit some balls and understand, hey, this is a great game. It's a great way to network, meet people as well. So I, when I saw you guys were doing that, I'm like, oh, this is really neat. And I wanted to ask you about it. What are some of the yeah. initiatives you guys have? What What's kind of the, is there a long-term plan to help grow the game with this? I, I'm just kind of curious your thoughts and, and where yes. you guys are at with the women with drive. Right, right. Okay, so my, it, firstly, it's it's myself and one of my best friends. Her name is Nikki B. We, we run it together and we also have um, two males behind the scene who were the founders of it. And so Nikki and I took over when we would drive. And so the, the, obviously the end goal, the broad picture, our mantra is to encourage women to get into the game of golf. And it doesn't matter what level you are in. Our goal is just to bring more women into it. And when we first began, we thought that our goal would be to be an events company, but quickly we found that it is very hard to localize girls when there's still not that many girls in the game of golf. And it's just hard when all these girls are like nationwide and then just to 
say like, okay, we have a meetup or something in California, everyone come here. It's not that easy. Like there's not just like a hundred girls sitting there waiting for this sort of event to pop up in Southern California. It's not quite there yet, but we know that in time that it will keep growing and golf has been growing in the women's golf space. So we thought we'd be an events company. We quickly found out that that was not going to be as feasible, especially because my partner, Nikki, she's from NorCal and I'm from SoCal. And so we see each other quite often, but it's not as easy when we're not physically together every, you know, every day. And so what we ended up becoming was a social media marketing company where we advertise to usually female specific brands in the golf space. And they, they pretty much sponsor us and we have influencers that we, that we pay to, to show off whatever the product is. And so that is a business part of a more drive. But within the, the Instagram space, what we do is we feature all girls. We try and, well, we try and feature all girls of all levels. And I'm the social media marketing director. And so if you see any posts go up, I'm the one who puts it up. And I try and find unique content, whether it be a silly video, um, a fail video, a professional video, a swing video, a nice picture, trick shot video, whatever it is. My goal on the feed is just to show people how cool women's golf is and to be another, we're essentially another uh, women's golf outlet that is more freelance, like we don't have restrictions, that we just want to spread the love of golf. And so we have members that come and join. We have a website. And when you become a member, you're, you're given discounts and our newsletters and any events we come up or any anything, we, we just, we spread it to our members. And and that's pretty much it where like our members um, are, they consist of like, literally we have some professional golfers. We have some beginner golfers. We have, we have even some men who are members just cause I think they wanted to know what it was all about. And so that's pretty much it. We're just trying to build a community where females feel comfortable being able to get into the game of golf. And we feel that we're able to do that through social media. Now, that's awesome. I, I appreciate that uh, that breakdown of that. And again, I think it's a great initiative and hopefully you guys see that, um, you know, grow over time. Where can everyone, um, where can everyone find the Wynwood Drive? What was the website again? Yeah, so you can always go first. So you can always find us on our on our Instagram. It's at Women with Drive, and our website is womenwithdrive.net. That's where you can learn a little bit more, and you could also contact um, myself or Nikki individually through our Instagrams, and you could also find our emails attached to it as well. Oh, that was good. I was going to ask where can where can everyone find you online? Um, yeah, so you can. Yeah, so you can you can always follow me at on my Instagram. It's at Tisha Allen, T I S H A A L Y N. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Tisha underscore all underscore in. And yep, those are pretty much my two main outlets that I'm on. And so from there, you can contact me. I I, I actually I I pretty much see almost every single DM. And so um, if anyone contacts me, I'm I'm pretty open to responding. I'm actually I actually respond to nearly everybody within reason and so yeah that that's awesome well what was well, last thing for you what do you, what are you excited about coming up over the next rest of this year or next year what's kind of on your plate um that, that you're maybe amped up about or excited about right um gosh i i can't even think that far ahead besides besides like the next month and a half i have i mean i, I look forward to all my events honestly i'm really i really am fortunate to do what i do and and um I, the next, the upcoming events I have, I have uh, two celebrity events that I'm attending. It's 
Joe Carter, the baseball player, he has a charity event in Canada that's coming up in a week and a half. And then I fly straight to Reggie Bush's charity event, um, the football player, for those who do not know. And then from there, I have a few a few shoots and gigs that I have where I, I fly to Illinois and Pittsburgh. And so, like, in the next week and a half, I'm going to actually be in four or five different locations in a week. And uh, and so that's what I'm looking forward to. I, I love stuff like that. I love when my weeks get really busy and I love traveling. Um, and so that's my next big week. And then I can't even think of what – oh, I'll be heading to ACC, um, which is in July, which is uh, – it's slipping my mind what ACC stands for, but it's the big, it's the biggest um, celebrity golf tournament, and it's aired on Golf Channel, and like Justin Timberlake goes, and and um, a, bu- a bunch of big names that you'd see, and I get to go and I get to cover the event, and I'm really really excited for that one. It'll be my first time, and then um, ESPYS are also in July, and I haven't gone to ESPYS, and I'm set to go this year, and so that will be really really exciting. Well, that's awesome. That's yeah, it seems like a pretty busy summer on your on your plate there. Um, yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you joining on the podcast today and taking some time out of your busy schedule and, and sharing some different stories with the folks to help, hopefully help them, hopefully help them as they uh, go along in their own journey. So thanks so much for your time. And I, I really appreciate it. No, thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks again to everyone for listening on this episode. And remember, if you want to check me out online, brianondraco.com is my website. B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O, as well as at Brian Andreco on Instagram and Twitter. I certainly appreciate any feedback and comments um, that you have and look forward to interacting with you guys further. Um, Remember, you can also leave a review on iTunes. That would be very appreciative. Um, Love to know how I'm doing and uh, and hear your feedback there or whatever podcasting platform you guys are utilizing. Hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and look forward to catching you next time. Take care. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>